Okay, welcome back to another episode of Pieced Off, the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racer and newly formatted as the official podcast of Dorking Out Talking About Ski Racing. Um, today, or this particular episode, um, because today is completely irrelevant depending on when you listen to this, uh, we have a very interesting guest of Griffin Post, who is more popularly known for uh, being a North Face athlete and being all over um, TGR and a number of other um, outdoor, outdoor kind of, uh, or I'm sorry, extreme skiing um, videos and, and movies, etc. And um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just type his name into uh, YouTube and you will be impressed immediately. Uh, Griff, thank you for taking the time to be on my podcast. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for, uh, for the introduction. I like the extreme skiing bit. I think you know we should bring back the term extreme skiing. It's way more you know descriptive than big mountain skiing or anything like that. Well, yeah, and it's it's almost like I feel like right now in this day and age, um, big mountain skiing, pro skier, uh, side country. There's all these like sub terms that are just like you know, more or less excuses than they are definitions. They don't define you. They just, they're just like an excuse for what, what you're doing. Right. Totally. Just like the best, best current descriptor. Don't forget like social media skier too, you know, social media skier out there like that. Yeah. That's what I'm really striving to be. <laughs> well, that's part of the game, right? I mean, but some, you know, but I think at the end of the day, hopefully the, the, uh, in terms of the people that really are paying attention, it's the actual skiing that does the talking, right? Yeah, for sure. It's always kind of impresses me <clears throat> the amount of people that actually like break down the skiing and are still like very obsessed with the sport and like want all the details, whether it be like gear, line selection or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. <clears throat> um, you know, I guess I could be a culprit of that. Just like, you know, wanting to bring up or, you know, discover further detail. I like to think my excuse in is having a deeper perspective versus coming from elementary, which I think can be, I don't know. You're the one, you're the one who's got fans and people that come up to you all the time. So I don't know. You tell me. Um, yeah, now for sure. That deeper perspective, I think that's like, you know, very underrated part of like the job. And like, I love talking to people like geeking out about that stuff about like, whether it's like where I'm at my skis or, you know, how, what like tune I prefer or even just like, bigger picture stuff like how we decide on like the locations that we go every year i mean there's a lot of a lot of nuances to every element of the sport absolutely and nuance comes from just being honed in on your craft for is for over periods of time you know right i mean yeah yeah for sure there's always something you can tweak and like refine or do differently and so it's like kind of a constant evolution so so um Bringing it back into the kind of the, the, the podcast itself here. So I think what's important to understand is that Griff, Griff Post, uh, big TGR extreme skiing athlete, um, started skiing as, as, a, as a racer in Sun Valley. Um, then you, back when Bowdoin in Maine was still a Division One team, you ski raced for them. And then when they took that team away, and you can correct me here where where I missed the history, that's where you transferred to Denver University, in which case you thought you were going to ski race there, but you decided not to, and that's what ultimately 
started you down the path that you're on now. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. So I ski raced till I was, I guess, probably 19 or 20. And then I transferred to DU and DU recruited heavily off like the, um, European world cup circuit. And so mm. everybody there was skiing like or had world cup starts and I was just kind of outgunned. And so I thought skier cross was my thing for a little while and spent like two years doing that. And then I, I had this moment where I was trained at a training run watching everybody ski and i had this turn that was like three panels and i was like all right i'll run that like outside third middle third inside third then i watched darren rolves go by and he just ran it panel 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 and like knifed it i was like huh well there's no way i'm ever gonna ski that well so uh maybe you should try this try the big mountain thing and i had some friends friends doing the big mountain like contest circuit and started doing those and you know had pretty good success right off the bat and kind of got lucky getting my foot in the door there and then and and then you're and you're still in school at this point yeah so i take the winter court denver's on like a quarter trimester system and so i take from november to march off and do these contests and make enough money um make enough money to you know i guess pay for like the rest of my school because i ended up going to Denver had a program where you could go an extra year and get your MBA. And so I was in that program. So that was kind of how I was sustaining myself there. But it kind of amazes me. I mean, side note how, um, you know, of course we got a lot of kids from DU's got a, is a pretty, there's a pretty big contingency from Sun Valley that's found their way there. And it's kind of amazed me how people have been able to get a great education there. And at the same time, be able to pursue these passions, like the number of, you know, kids that are there doing doing a, a fifth year for grad school or doing a two year program after their undergrad and still being able to, you know, tie in going to ski races or being a high level athlete, you know, um, you know, that, that could be a whole separate episode on its own. But um, that 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 piece kind of impresses me how that school is able to kind of facilitate that. And uh, clearly for you, that worked out really well. Yeah, for sure. I think like the flexible schedule was like pretty key and then not to knock the academics, but some of the classes weren't super hard. So I could like load up in the fall and springtime and take like basically a maximum course load and make up for like the classes that I uh, would miss over the winter. Yeah, totally. So, so, um, yeah, I, you know, well, Anyway, I don't want to digress too hard here. There is there is a theme to this, <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. For yeah, because sure. um, I mean, I mean, immediately like what you just said right there, I had like eighteen different thoughts cross my mind. But uh, I'm sure <laughs> in the previous two seasons and episodes that the many of those uh, particular perspectives have be, have come out. So I'm sure the listenership has a very clear understanding of where I stand on academics and skiing and whatnot. But um, you know. I had an article that I wrote out that was at the end of last ski season that didn't quite make it onto powder.com. Um, I've since tried to get them to get it back going, but I, I see if we can get up there because I think it was a really important article. But basically, I sat down with Mike Rogan, who is kind of the PSIA liaison for the U.S. ski team. I mean, Mike has established himself very well as a as a great ski instructor and has a therefore has probably the most level-headed clear understanding of skiing that and of, of many people that I've talked to um, 
you know, and that's, that's a pretty big gauntlet. Um, and, you know, we had a long conversation about how does ski racing influence the skier? And I, I just, I think, you know, Griff, you're probably the epitome of the example of that. I mean, there's another, there's a, you have a, uh, a lot of colleagues, I should say, that have uh, come from the same, the same path. But um, can you tell us, me, a little bit more about your perspective about like, okay, you transitioned from skiing. I mean, the ski cross thing sounds like this just wasn't your jam. I mean, it just sounded like, it sounded like the path kind of found you versus you deciding this wasn't you know, you talk about that Dan, Darren Ralph's turn. I mean, that to me doesn't sound less like, it doesn't sound as much like, well, I don't have a future in this. It sounds more to me like maybe this just, maybe there's something more for me here. I'm just trying to spin it into a more positive light. But like, that's when you transition and you started getting into into ski, in, into the extreme skiing world, what kind of tools from growing up as a ski racer helped you kind of develop in that, second in that next realm yeah i mean i think it really like the the world that i live in or the space that i live in um i think it, it comes down to like fundamentals so much and you look at the guys that are really six guys and girls that are really successful like angel and ian and sage they all have a bit of like that ski racing background and those like core like fundamentals to you know that their careers have been built on and I mean, I think it really shows, I don't think it shows as much in everyday skiing, but when you get in trouble, like you need to be able to like have those, I guess, like core fundamentals of that that are going to get you out of a situation because I think the gear right now is so user-friendly, like you get a pair of whatever 108 underfoot rocker skis, they're really easy to ski, you can get going fast and, um, it's really kind of propelled that like advanced intermediate skier. But when like something goes down, if you don't have like those rock solid fundamentals, like you're not going to, not going to last long and you're not going to be able to get yourself out of situations that, you know, we commonly find ourselves in. And so I always come back to like, you know, that comparison that, you know, without being able to like, I guess be whatever center to my ski or forward or like, um, having my like weight evenly distributed on both skis without all those like little pieces. I don't think, I think it's very hard to make a career in big mountain skiing because you're eventually going to not land things or get flushed out just because you you don't have the base set of skills. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like, uh, you know, that's the thing, too, is watching like World Cup skiing. And I try to you know tell my kids, like, listen, go go look at outside of like maybe two runs in the last two years. Every single ski run is going to have a mistake. So it's not about whether you make a mistake. It's about how you're going to recover from it. Right. And, you know, I look at like moments like with you, you know, skiing like a spine and and an Valdez or something like that. And you know that you can't go into that you know in that surface has got to be far more unpredictable than anything you're seeing on the world cup right i mean you know you're you're in situations where you have to recover all the time yeah i mean sometimes it's like one big controlled fall and you're just making like correction after correction and like you know like as you said it comes back to like the the racing world and like knowing you know just having like the reaction and not having to think about like the correction you're making, just like doing it instinctively. Yeah, absolutely. 
one of the things that I, I find super impressive that just kind of blows me away is just like you guys like ski a great line or a great um, sh- like, you know, couloir or shoot or something like that. And then as you kind of once you guys get on the other side of the, a technical section and you kind of are in this open area towards the bottom half and then you got like you take this enormous run and only make two to, two or three whole turns and you're just nuking on pal and uh, and is that this is that the skis helping you out or, or have you guys just developed a comfort level with you know skiing on a sur- like super fast on a surface like that or are you just trying to beat the run out of the snow i mean that that looks yeah. more extreme than you actually skiing the top half no for sure and uh it's funny i like watch those videos and when i'm like just touring by my, myself or like not filming I, i'm like milk every turn i'm like i hiked up here and i'm gonna get like as many turns as possible down um, oh, yeah. i like cruising out the bottom is definitely like a matter of yeah staying ahead of your slough and you know not knowing what's behind you and just um i think with the equipment like i ski 115 underfoot 185 in alaska which is actually probably pretty short yeah compared to what a lot of people are skiing but you're just able to open it up know way more especially like the majority of those runouts are like you know you're going to hit probably like whatever your terminal velocity right after kind of the birch run where the uh the slope you're skiing meets the glacier below Mm -hmm. and there's always like that finish line you're like okay i'm gonna like ride it out and get going super fast but i'm gonna like naturally slow down here in a couple seconds so (laughs) just hold on through that yeah, right. So it's kind of just like, I, I mean, I compare it to just like in a downhill or a speed event where, you know, you got to suck, you, that hum is going to really get you and you just got to suck it up for a minute because you're going to need that just to get out or to finish or to let it ride onto a flat or through the finish. I mean, those moments of, of, of real hairiness are really just are really a lot more brief than you might think in your mind. Yeah, exactly. And like to go back to your point about like, I don't know, racing downhill when you, you know, every downhill I race, there's that one section where you're like, all right, this is going to be the fastest it goes. But most of the time it naturally kind of runs out. Yeah. And having that experience, like going that fast, like on whatever, 212s in a downhill suit, like no matter how fast you think you're going in Alaska, you're not going as fast as you are like on a, on a fast downhill. And so, yeah. you know, you have that point of reference and, you know, that, I guess maybe tolerance built up from from ski racing where you're like, all right, this is fast, but like I can handle it. Totally, and then then that's you know that's just mileage, I think, in a lot of ways and experience. I guess you just said it there, but hey, so bringing it back to this conversation I had with Mike Rogan, do you know, do you know Mike at all? Um, I don't. I know of him, but yeah, um, I don't think we've ever met. So he's he's a he's an awesome guy to really talk, talk shop with, especially if if you know, you, you feel like you really know what you're talking about because he, that's, that's when I think you get enlightened the most. Um, but, uh, so talking to Mike, one of the things that I kind of concluded in our conversation was that, um, one of the things that I think that, that ski racing, two things, basically one is you talk about like the skiing gates, like whether it's slalom, GS, super G, whatever, there's a, you, you develop flow and rhythm. So that's how, like, I think when you guys are coming down really great spines or, 
you know, um, these really great open sections or through trees in your run, your turns are just linked up and they just have, there's a, a really nice even flow to it where it almost looks, you know, you really make it look easy. And I think that comes, you know, you, we can, you can argue this in a second, but I think a lot of that comes from training for gates. And then the second thing that, um, and this is the biggest thing that I've kind of, I, I, that I equate to the the parallel to the two is line selection. I feel like, you know, when you're ski racing, you know, you're, you're going to events at different areas. Sometimes you're familiar with them from years of going, going there, but there was at one point where first couple times it was definitely new. Um, every year the venue seemed to, it can change for championship events, whatever. So you, every, a couple times a year, you do find yourself going somewhere new and you're expected to perform at a high level, and I think the thing that 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 I I take away from that that uh, that goes into the extreme world is that now you're on a new you're let's say you're in Alaska for the first time. Well, you've been challenged a number of times before to to actually have to perform at peak performance on a venue that you don't have never really been familiar with before. Yes, there's elements from previous experience that you know are similar, but I feel like the attack of the attack of doing uh, of something unfamiliar really translates into the extreme world. I mean, I mean, would you? I mean, am I am I am I making sense here? Do you do you, do you understand where, yeah, I'm, yeah. where yeah, I'm, I'm going? Uh, Good, because I don't. Put down for sure. <laughs> um, no, I think you're absolutely right on like the first part, like for sure that like flow and rhythm is like you know, so applicable to, you know, the type of skiing I do, you're, you're in some instances, you're planning out like turn for turn and just having that like reference from the racing world is, is so key. Cause you're just like, like, right, I'm going to make medium radius turns for this long. And it's, you know, as you said, that flow that you're into. Then as far as the second part, um, yeah, it's definitely like line selection and, you know, performing well on something you've never skied before um you know in most of this stuff you get one one crack at it because after that there's a track in the shot and for whatever reason means you like you can't film that again but um yeah you have to be able to like plan your line and a lot of times it's just from you know the air or from across the valley and know how things are going to look as you come come down um like how it's going to look differently from what we call the Barbie, which is the view of posing. Um, and that, you know, that skill that performed really well on that first run is pretty much everything. And I was always really good, um, you know, ski racing wise on downhills, like the first training day, I would rank the highest and then I'd slowly like fall back as everybody else, like got their, got their routine dialed a little bit more. And it'd be interesting to ask some of my, uh, peers if they were the same way, but, you know, that ability to, like, do something really well the first time, I think, is definitely born from ski racing. Well, thank you for supporting that argument. <laughs> You're welcome. I think well, that's right. Well, one thing, one thing um, what what are some of, like, the key factors that, that, you, that you might equate from, like, race day that you kind of develop um, when you're going into, um, when you're going skiing, um or out of skiing out of bounds on a particular day. Like are there, you know, I, I imagine, you know, just like inspection or visualization skills that we use in racing, you're probably using something similar to that effect 
when you're going out as well. Absolutely. I think it comes down to a couple things like that ritual, that like pregame ritual that for me, it was born in ski racing, like what I did in the morning and how I prepared myself. I definitely still apply that to skiing, which, you know, it's very different right now or very different big mountain skiing. Like for sure, sometimes it's in the morning, but you know, sometimes these lines were, especially late in the season in Alaska, we're skiing at like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. And you've really? had this entire day where you're like stressed out all day and, you know, just being able to keep those nerves under control is, you know, so key. And then, you know, that visualization, like I still use pretty much the same visual visualization that I used growing up racing, like whether it's particular parts of my run and the air and different airs, but, um, you know, it's a little bit different because you, most of the time you've never like actually seen like the takeoff of a jump or the, um, you know, how steep a slope actually is or how big, big an air is. And so you're, there's a lot more guesswork. Whereas like a traditional ski race, you get the inspection, you know exactly where you're going to go off. You have an idea. And so it's like adapting this visualization to maybe a lot of different potential outcomes. I think what you just described right there is the part where the the word extreme comes into the equation. Um, (laughs) And and of course, a lot of that all comes from mileage and experience and kind of building up your comfort zone, right? I mean, you know, if you're going to go ski, uh, you know, let's say, you know, a cliff line, that you maybe have very little experience with and you know your that guesswork i mean you you're 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 using that that guesswork is based off of the number of times you've done a skied off a cliff that might look similar that might have felt similar or appears to be similar or right i mean this that's where it's coming yeah, from it's, it's not like it's all new exactly to you every like time it having that experience and like being able to apply like that ex- experience that, you know, yeah, it's, there's some guesswork, but like you have like some footing for like what that's actually going to be like. And you, know, you look at some of those really, really good Alaska skiers and yeah, for sure. They're good because they have like the raw talent, but they're also good because they've spent so much time up there and have so much experience skiing similar slopes like that. What is what? It, what does separate Alaska from skiing anywhere else? What 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 is what is the part of the revere there in the, in the skiing? Um, so Alaska is kind of where the stars all are, all align. It's you know the terrain, the snowpack, and the weather. And so you have the steep terrain that generally gets a coastal snowpack, which means that snow sticks to steeper faces than it typically would, and has just different stability characteristics than other snowpacks. Um, and so you're able to, you know, ski these lines and ramps that in a lot of places would just be rocks. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that, that, that coastal off, off the sea, that, that snowpack, which is, what is it? I mean, typically I think a salt air is a little adding, adding dryness to it. But, you know, when you think about like Pacific Northwest, for instance, like, that also brings in a lot of a lot more moisture, which is great because it locks in those rocks. Is that, I mean, are, are we? Is, is this on the? Is this, is the pow there more on the lighter side or the heavier side, or are we cut, cutting it in the middle where it's that even keel, perfect balance, or what? Um, I mean, it's definitely a generalization, but I'd say it like just the sheer amounts of snow. Okay, I think play a big role into it, and so like these faces stack up, and then you typically you don't get um these 
again, I'm being very general, but like some of the more common persistent like weak layers as you get in like a Rocky Mountain snowpack where like these slopes would flush out naturally just because throughout the season getting that much snow, there'd be instability, instabilities and the you know slope would flush out and you'd start at square one again. So um, yeah, it's a combination of like the amount of snow and like the consistency of it. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that that would be the perfect start. The stars aligning, that's for sure. For sure. Um, and then I just there's a uh, there's a conception that I want to make clear. So when you guys are filming, I mean that's that's pretty much that's that's race day, right? That's like you know full on the Han and Com people at the finish, blah blah blah. The adrenaline picks up, but you aren't always going out there to ski every single day, just like you are when you're getting filmed. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, for sure. It's like, those are, I mean, most of the movie comes from like very particular days of the year. Um, you know, if it was more, if, if the movie reflected our actual season, it'd probably be like 60% of us like turning around and like being like, Oh, it's not, the stability's not right today or the weather's not right today. And so, like, there's this misconception that it's, like, every day is super full throttle, whereas, you know, you really, you kind of pick, have to pick your moments when you, you know, are going to hang it out there. Yeah, I mean, because you guys are going up to, like, you know, eastern BC and Alaska, and, you know, for a 10, 15-minute segment, I mean, you might get three or four lines out of it. And, you know, that with the helicopter footage from, from you know, from... Um, from behind, uh, from the head-on, the Barbie view, I guess you you called it, and then you know at the same time you've got the the POV cam as well. So and then you kind of double those up, and that's that's even more time, which is I think is really cool because you get to see it occur, and then you get to see it from your actual point of view, like oh okay, that really was as severe as I thought, or much more exciting than I than maybe it looked before. Um, but yeah, I mean like like the amount of footage collected. Or the, the 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 for just that little period of time, and then to make that effort to be somewhere long enough, or you know, travel far enough to get to this to those that just for that ten minute segment, it's pretty outstanding. Yeah, and like to draw back or to come back to the comparison to like ski racing, it's like all that preparation for like very like specific moments of performance, um, and it's. You know, you, I guess, better hope like you're on those days that, you know, everything's aligning because, you know, sometimes it's like truthfully like one or two days of the entire season that you like get your segment from. I remember two years ago for Almost a Blaze, um, I filmed my entire Alaska segment in like two afternoons in Alaska. And so it's like very, very precise, like when everything is actually like firing. Man, that, and then you are just like a like a speed skier or something like that at that point because here's your only opportunity to perform and this is where you're going to get your exposure. This is where sponsors decide your worth, um, the paycheck or or the exposure. I mean, you don't get those two afternoons, and then you know you're you're looking at a pay cut and and, and you know your next season you're scrambling that much more to try to figure it out. Yeah, for sure, and like hopefully. You know, you've had enough good days early in the season uh, where, you know, you're sitting on at least some good footage and photos that could carry you through should you, like, get skunked. But, you know, a lot of – some seasons, like, 
that the window of like ideal weather and conditions is usually in April. So it's kind of like down to the wire. Um, you know, that story that I just told about like Valdez, that was like May 1st or 2nd. And I like literally had like zero footage and basically saved like my entire like season in those two days. So, wow. Wow. And then most of the days you're just cruising in inbounds like everybody else or hitting a little side country and just shredding some pow. I mean, it's not it's not all all, you know, super deep pow. And just I mean, you're 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 as much of a skier or a regular everyday skier as the rest of us in some regard. Is that I mean, am I am I dreaming? No, for sure. You're right. And it's I mean, this definitely varies from athlete to athlete. Like I've skied with some friends that I go out with on like a hard pack day. And they're just throwing down, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna take it easy. So it's a lot of like, definitely just getting miles and like fitness, and then just working on like, I guess smaller things. And you know, every day I go out there, I try to like improve in some regard and do something that like, I guess scares me or makes me nervous as far just as just keeping that like skill set sharp. Yeah, right. Um, but in many instances, yeah, I'm just like. Like today, I'm going to go out to Jackson and probably lap the tram for a couple hours, and just kind of shred, shred ran- randomly, no agenda. Um, and so, and I also like still just like love skiing, like just going out there like for fun and ripping around. Like I don't care how much, as long as the snow's not absolutely awful, like I can pretty much have a good time every day. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's definitely you know for the for those of us that really really are passionate about it, that's. That's definitely the key is, you know, depending on, it doesn't matter what the day is. I mean, you go out and you find a reason to love being out there. You know, that's also where the, the, the quiver kind of comes into the picture as well. But I think what you just said right there uh, a minute ago with finding some, finding a, a moment to kind of just freak yourself out and keep that skill set alive. That is, I think the older we get, the easier it is to not do that. And next thing you know, you're in a situation where you're like, gosh, this is only a 10 foot drop in, into three feet of pow. And somehow I find myself nervous. And that's because, you know, it's so easy to on a regular basis to avoid that and just, just keep staying in your comfort zone. I mean, that's you right there, just like continuously trying to build on your expanding your comfort zone. That's probably one of the best pieces of training you could. And that's something that translates into ski, ski racing and just about anything else for that matter too. I mean, that that to me is 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 it is a huge skill set, probably the most one of the most valuable. Yeah, for sure. Um, and for, like for me, for something to really scare myself skiing, like I have to kind of be hanging it out there. So I try to find like other ways to you know access that mind space. And so like during the summer, for instance, I'll do a lot of like sport climbing, and I'm I'm not that great of a climber. But you know when you're lead climbing, you're gonna. You know, if you if you fall, it's it's scary, but it's generally safe. Like if you take a, like a big whip, you can for sure get hurt. But you know that fear you get when you're climbing like above above a bolt a few feet, and you're you know nervous and you're sweating and you really have to focus. Like that's you know definitely the same like feeling I get before like I ski something that scares me. And so to you know regularly be in that mind space, I think is super important. Wow. Um, I think it was like Mike Tyson's trainer. That was like one of my favorite quotes. I think it's it's like fear is like fire. It can heat your house. You can cook with it or it can burn your house down. <laughs> so like being able to like manage that fear and turn it into something really useful is like crucial. 
rather than getting like completely freaked out and spazzing out. <laughs> wow. I mean, just getting to that point alone, I mean, I feel like, you know, that's, you know, it's so, it, I mean, as simple as it sounds, I mean, that's such a, that's such a great point and, and, and place to, you know, point of view to think about. Um, Griff, before we finish up, any, any final thoughts that you'd like to convey on the, on the matter and the subject we've, we've, we've discussed here? Um, I mean, I'd say like, you know, buy a pair of narrow skis, <laughs> buy a pair of something like 8,500 foot. I mean, I live in Jackson and everybody I talked to is like talking about their new, like 110 or 115 they're going to buy. And like in reality, like skiing a pair of narrow skis on a groomer is going to like do far much far more for your skiing than like skiing like just a a wide ski that you know flops all around and i think that like again getting back to where we started with those fundamentals like that's where you develop that stuff and then you can you know apply that to big mountain train if that's your thing but i see far too many people that you know just want to ski like bluebird pow and like that's i mean really it's pretty easy it's like to ski powder like simple but like ski hard pack on a flat light day like that's where you become a better skier so i guess uh in conclusion ski on flat light days on your skis <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it more words of wisdom by griffin post griff thank you so much for uh having time this morning to to be a part of uh, my podcast here i am james taco totkus You've been listening to Peace Off, the official podcast of Fantasy Ski Racer and ski racing, the sport itself. Um, thank you again for tuning in. And I believe this concludes uh, Season 3, Part 1. We'll look forward to releasing Part 2 in the very near future. Thank you again.